Welcome to The Paulist, a daily comics podcast. Um, I'm Tuply on Twitter at T-W-O-P-L-A-I. Um, you can email me at Tuply at gmail.com. And the um, Tumblr site for this podcast is Tuply.tumblr.com. Um, this is a daily comics analysis podcast, and we got a, we got a long one. <laughs> We're in for something tonight. Um, I'm going to be talking about the Eisner Awards. The winners will be announced on Friday. San Diego Comic-Con is going on right now, and I'm sure it is a wild frenzy. Um, I haven't been keeping up with the news, so I'm not too sure what's going on, but um, pretty sure there's a lot of noise and costumes. Um, and so I'm going to talk about the Eisner Awards, and based on the nominee list, I'm going to make my picks for what I think is going to win and what I would like to win if I voted, <laughs> if I had a ballot. Um, and then I'm going to talk about Essex County. Um, and it's Throwback Thursday, and on Throwback Thursday we talk about a work, a classic. Um, we talk about something that belongs in the comics canon, perhaps. And um, because we've been focusing on Jeff Lemire all week, um, I'm going to talk about Essex County as the throwback today. So, you know, a lot to do, a lot to talk about. So let's kind of dive right into it. Um, I don't think of this podcast as somewhere where I'm providing commentary or industry stuff. Um, that's not my role um, because I'm no expert. I'm just a reader. <laughs> but um, I, I just couldn't pass up the opportunity to talk about the Eisners. Um, first off, I am editor for the blog at thecomicsalternative.com. And if you go there to the blog, um, we are the blog of the podcast, The Comics Alternative, with the two guys with PhDs, um, Derek Parker Royal and Andy Kunkka, a couple of academics and their friends who talk about comics. Um, but uh, at the blog, you'll see that there is um, a recent post of Eisner commentary by myself and a few others who are um, professors, writers, critics, um, fans. And so they talk about, you know, categories in the, in the Eisners and their thoughts on looking at sort of the, the um, overview of the, of the nomination slate. Um, obviously, we didn't know the winners yet, so the commentary is kind of reserved for the nominees, but I love the list of nominees. I love just kind of finding out about, you know, books or creators or just um, publications that I didn't know about. And, and I think the, the Eisner nominee list is always kind of a fun dive for me to see how much do I know about what's going on and what people are paying attention to in the industry and how much do I not know. Um, this year, the academic, there's always an academic in residence on the selection committee, but the academic in residence is, um, is Carol Tilley. Um, and I have great respect for her and her, her work. And I think they really did an amazing job. They made some news this year for having um, an unprecedented number of women creators, which, um, as I wrote in my piece in that, in that commentary on the Comics Alternative blog, I think is, is sort of just one numerical measure for what is an overall um, diversifying, which comes as no surprise that the Eisners are becoming more diverse, both in terms of the backgrounds you know, of, their, of the creators and in terms of the kinds of works and the sources of work. Um, that are represented in the nominees. Um, but I think it's also become, uh, uh, you know, sort of a reflection of the um, changing state of comics and also the changing uh, ro role of comics, the sort of increasingly important role of comics in the broader culture, um, not just to select fanboys, but to um, really the um, a wide variety of reading publics. So um, anyway... 
<laughs> talking about that uh, kind of leads me right into the nominations list because I think they've done a really great job of picking representative works that are pretty outstanding. Now I should say, as I go through the list, I, obviously some categories more than others, I would say that I've probably read at least some portion of about 70% of the work on this list. Uh, that's a lot of comics, and I'm a little, I'm slightly embarrassed that I've read this much of it. But um, I won't read off the entire nomination list. If you want to follow at home, you can go ahead and just Google search Eisner nominations or Eisner nominees 2016. But I will talk through each category, and again, out of the category, I may mention a few of the works, but I'll talk about what I think the Eisners will pick and um, who uh, who it is that I uh, I would have selected if I had a chance to vote um the eisners um are you know sort of comics as oscars um you, you always kind of have to put the you know recognize the asterisk that um they are you know based in the united states it happens at san diego comic-con it's certainly a cert it's a particular u.s based slice of the industry um but i think that that's not nothing, you know, that, that matters a lot because of the, the role of the United States culturally and so on and so forth. I mean, let me not say anything else obnoxious so that my international listeners will castigate me. Um, this year's ceremonies are going to be at the, uh, the Hilton in San Diego, um, hosted by John Barrowman, who is, uh, if you watch Arrow, he's the Malcolm Merlin guy who I think looks a lot like my friend, Rob. (laughs) Um, and um, I think that the um, awards have um, escaped some of the traps of other awards. And uh, just to provide a little more context, I just promised that I was going to get in, right into the the actual winners and, or my choices, and, I, and here I am not. But just for some context, I think that um, awards are interesting. They're always controversial, rightly so. Um, things that we fight over for whatever reason. Um but recently, Harvey, uh, another award associated, I think, with Baltimore Comic Con, I could be wrong about that, um, uh, released its list of nominees, and there was some controversy because there was a huge representation of Valiant. And um, since they take their nominees from, um, I think, from a, a sort of um, a creator uh, nomination process, it seemed that there was some ballot stuffing. It felt like there was some ballot stuffing. Not to say that those valiant works and creators weren't worthy of attention or um, nominations, but that they were just overrepresented. And um, and I think that has tarnished the some of the sense of validity about the Harveys, unfortunately. Um, and then at the same time, famously this past year, Angoulême has its Grand Prix prize. Angoulême uh, being a, a you know European festival. And out of 30 nominees for their Grand Prix prize, not a single woman. And that um, stirred up some controversy, rightly so, because it's a Lifetime Achievement Award, um, but it's really ridiculous that out of 30, you know, of 30 cartoonists, you could not um, think of a single one whose lifetime of work was worthy of um, of acknowledgement, which is just ridiculous um, and, and sort of blind to the actual state of the field. And I think the Eisner nominees um, demonstrated that by having such a um, broad and diverse group of not just current day, you know, people, but um, creators from from uh, throughout. Creators who are quite accomplished, you know, as accomplished as people who made it onto that Angoulême list, many of whom 
<laughs> uh, declined because of the controversy and because of that oversight. All right, so enough said about context and uh, big picture. Let's get into the, the picks. Um, I'll, I'll go in order of the categories as they're announced. The first is best short story, which I always think is an interesting category and kind of uh, you know representing the range of what's out there because where did these short stories come from? You know, I think a lot of comics is some sense long form and so you know you have something from the oatmeal you have something from a first second collection of fable comics something from vertigo quarterly black um and i think the the eisners are going to go with killing and dying by adrian tomine um it's an optic nerve and then it was collected in killing and dying which was actually published this year but uh, of course it was originally published in optic nerve 14 last year um and um, I say that because Tomine is a is a sort of an Eisner favorite um, because it feels literary and significant because Killing and Dying is, uh, I think, one of the better pieces in um, in that collected book. But I'm going to go myself with Black Death in America uh, by Tom King and John Paul Leon, which was in Vertigo Quarterly Black. Um, and, I, and I'm going to go there because um, I think this is actually the best evidence, despite all that Tom King has been doing, um, this is the best evidence of what is his unique sensibility. And John Paul Leon is always amazing. Um, I think that that, that short story is probably going to get some um, good recognition, worthwhile recognition. I still don't think it's enough to push it over the killing and dying um, uh, energies that are going to be there. And you'll notice, you, I, I, you know, as I go through these, who I think they will pick and who I pick, you will hear again and again me talking about this um, cabal of Eisner, you know, selection people. Um, I have no idea. This is all just a shot in the dark, and I am far from an expert. So you will find out on Friday, I guess, how off I am. Uh, best single issue one shot. Um, a great list, and I'm going to say that they're going to end up picking Pope Hats number four by Ethan Riley, um, published by Ad House which I, I, I did enjoy. I like Pope Hats. I have all of the issues except for the elusive second issue that no one can get anywhere unless you're willing to pay a, a bajillion dollars on Amazon. Um, I don't know why Ad House and really don't to go ahead and re reprint that. Um, it's really annoying. <laughs> I think Pope Hats is, is um, a very interesting work. Um, I'm frustrated sometimes that... Um, you know, it can't get that issue. <laughs> but I think Pope Hats 4 was another level. In fact, I ended up with, I have two copies of it. So if someone out there wants Pope Hats number four, write to me, tuply at gmail.com. Hey, listener, first one to ask, I'll send it to you. Uh, my own pick is I Love This Part by Tilly Walden from Avery Hill. If you haven't read the graphic novels of Tilly Walden yet, some of them are you know, short, really readable, but just, I'm going to talk about this later when I talk about Essex County in the latter half of this episode, but it's it's comics poetry. And um, I highly recommend. I love this part. Uh, best continuing series. Um, I might as well run down this list of titles. Bandette, Giant Days, Invincible, Silver Surfer, and Southern Bastards. I was surprised and, and kind of intrigued that Invincible is on here. I've, I'm caught up on Invincible, believe it or not. Um, but uh, it's not my pick. But I think it's done pretty well, actually. This, well, it did pretty well in 2015. So that's impressive. I'm a huge fan of Silver Surfer um, by Slot and Allred. And I like Bandette a lot. Um, but I think the committee is going to go with the committee. I think the voters are going to go with Southern Bastards um, because that's just had a lot of acclaim. And this is really the first year where um, a substantial body of its st of its run is going to be able to be you know picked and voted on. And I 
I feel like they're going to want to give Southern Bastards that acknowledgement for 2015. Um, you kind of have to rewind the clock in your brain um, because, you know, I think the sort of typical image publishing schedule, they, their third trade just came out. Um, but really, we're talking about the first two. And, and it sort of hit like a ton of bricks, that book. So I, I have a feeling it's going to go there. I might go there myself. Um, maybe just to be contrarian, I'd, I'd go with Giant Days because it's just so much fun. Such a breath of fresh air, something very different in stapled monthly comics and um, fun and uh, real real kind of indie sensibility, but um, with a you know an animator's uh, expertise at the pen um, and John Allison and uh, Lisa Trayman and Max Saren really did a heck of a job with Giant Days. So that's my pick. Um, but if it goes to Southern Bastards, I wouldn't be shocked. And uh, really anything on the list is worth reading. I've read all of them. So um, best limited series. Okay. Um, your titles are Chrononauts, the Mark Miller and uh, Sean Murphy image series, the Fade Out, Brubaker and Phillips, famous pair in image series, uh, Minimum Wage, So Many Bad Decisions by Bob Fingerman image, which I have to confess I, I never got into. I've tried, but haven't really got into Minimum Wage, though I hear it's good. Um, and then The Spire by Simon Spurrier and Jeff Stokely from Boom, which I also read and I think is really great. But I, I both, I think both me and the and the uh, the Eisner uh, are going to end up Eisners are going to end up picking Lady Killer by Joel Jones and Jamie S. Rich. Um, I'd say mostly Joel Jones. Um, the next volume, she's totally taken over because Jamie S. Rich is over there at Vertigo. But um, I think Lady Killer is a bit of a revelation, and Joel Jones, um, who'd been around. Uh, for a little bit, um, and uh, she's actually going to show up several times on this list, um, was just so striking, even in the early solicits. And I think the chatter that I heard about people who were like, wow, who is this? And how did these, um, how did this artist, how did these creators manage to um, strike so deeply this chord of appeal with this notion of a, you know, sort of Mad Men era uh, housewife um, assassin. Um, I could be wrong about this, but I think that buzz, sort of the ripple effects of the shock of, wow, this is, looks great, um, are going to reverberate. Um, Brubaker and Phillips, you know, I, I, actually a lot of these series are pretty good. I actually didn't like Chrononauts as much as other things that Miller's done, though the art was gorgeous. Um, and I think the fade out is really great. The fade out might end up winning. Um, but I, I kind of feel like Brubaker and Phillips have been doing their thing with remarkable quality for a very long time. And I, I, I worry that there's going to be a little bit of fatigue on voters' parts um, for voting for the Brubaker and Phillips work. And so um, I'm giving my nod to Lady Killer. All right, best new series. we got Bitch Planet. Uh, we have Harrow County, Kaiju Max, Monstrous, Paper Girls, and the Unbeatable Squirrel Girl. And this list actually just reminds me again that um, Image has been um, very dominant, in the, in the at least in 2015, and stretching back you know, a few years before that, although maybe not quite so much right now. Um, Monstrous actually didn't... I feel like they didn't have enough issues in 2015 to really merit the the uh, their appearance on this list though i love monstrous and i talked about it in another podcast i'm gonna say that the the eisners go with bitch planet um as partially an acknowledgement of the sort of huge fan phenomena and the social the importance of the social commentary of kelly sue deconic as well as you know appreciation for valentine 
Delandro and what he's done on art. Um, that's my guess. Uh, really, you know, all of these books deserve the attention. Uh, Harrow County is pretty, pretty great. Um, Kaiju Max is also an off the beaten path um, awesomeness. Um, and then actually, Paper Girls is probably the best candidate in terms of sheer popularity, but. Um, I'm going to say that the tastemakers feel like it's going to be Bitch Planet. But my own pick is the unbeatable Squirrel Girl because it's freaking Squirrel Girl. <laughs> you know, as much of a of a needed statement as Bitch Planet is and really as cool as that comic is, the unbeatable Squirrel Girl is just so much fun and they pack so much delight into every issue. And the fact that it manages to um, be appealing i mean my five-year-old daughter really was you know really interested in squirrel girl um you know the the trends that it bucks in terms of um you know who is a hero what are, what are they like how verbose is a hero um what is their body type and um yeah squirrel girl's just awesome i i probably don't need to sing its praises anymore because they've been sung but that's my pick um, all right, now we get to the best publication for early readers, which is up to age 8, kids up to age 12, and then teens up to age 17. And um, I have a feeling that the um, for the early readers that the um, Eisners are going to pick written and drawn by Henrietta, uh, by Liniers. It's a Toon Books um, comic, and I've read those with my daughter, and those Toon Books uh, series is pretty great. It's a, I think it's a um, Francois Mouly and... Uh, Maybe Spiegelman too, um, or maybe their their descendants. <laughs> Sorry, uh, but anyway, it's it's a line of um, sort of graphic novels, children books that are are really great. Written and drawn in Henrietta are is, is also one of the better offerings that they have. Um, I am gonna go with The Only Child by Guo Jing, um, which I haven't read. It's wordless. It's beautiful. Um, it's poignant. It's great for kids. I'd probably have honorable mention Little Robot too because I love Ben Hackey, but um, I actually didn't like Little Robot quite as much as the Zeta books that he's done. Although I've heard others who liked it more. All right, <laughs> best publication for kids. Um, I think the committee's. Gonna, I think the Eisners are going to go with. Is it a committee? The committee selects it, but I think it's a broader voting base. Anyway, I think the uh, voters are going to go with Roller Girl by Victoria Jameson. Um, it's hugely popular, hugely fun. I think there's a. Um, you know, not necessarily in art sensibility or style, but in terms of appeal, there's definitely a Raina Telgemeier, um status there. Um, Roller Girl's shown up on some of those New York Times bestseller lists quite a lot, too. Um, it's a shame that that um, uh, Nathan Hale is good year after year. Um, Over the Garden Wall is also fun. I haven't read Child Soldier or Baba Yaga's Assistant, but I've heard they're good. But uh, I'm going to put my own personal weight behind uh, Sunny Side Up by Jennifer and Matthew Holm. Um, just because, you know, sp spending a lot of time with my daughter reading um, a couple of these, Sunny Side Up is the one that's just sort of had the most basic appeal. It's just a gentle story. It's, you know, a girl in Florida living with her grandpa, and it's, it's funny. Um, there's some acknowledgement of comics, and, um, and she starts, you know, reading superhero stuff. But it's really about a, a girl coping or coming to terms with um, some turmoil in her family. And it's light turmoil. It's not like crazy trauma, but it's crazy. You know, but when you're a kid, it's tr it's kind of, you know, it's big to you. Um, and the way that they deal with it with a kind of sensitivity and, like I said, gentleness uh, and, and positivity. It's, it's a fun read. So 
I liked Roller Girl, but I'm going to go myself with Sunny Side Up. Uh, publication for teens. Um, we'll go through the list. I think what I would vote for is the same thing that I think they're going to pick. I think they're going to pick March Book 2 um, because March is a, a phenomenon. And, you know, rightly so. Um, John Lewis, Andrew Aiden, and Nate Powell adapting the story of Lewis's years in the civil rights movement. And, you know, of course, the first book got plenty of... Um, appreciation and plot it's i think the second book is actually where some of the action picks up and some of the sort of key historical moments occur so i think it's just going to continue to get acknowledgement it's going to show up later in the list too uh, uh, actually i think this is where it's going to get its nods and its props but for me there's an honorable mention that goes to oyster war or oyster war by ben towel towley towel um published by oni if you haven't seen that, it's a pretty big hardcover, but it's just a pretty book and great, adventurous, fun. I think it's great for, I actually think it's better for earlier than teens, maybe maybe for the 9 to 12 age range, but um, who, who am I? I don't know. Um, <laughs> I also noticed that Super Mutant Magic Academy by Jillian Tamaki shows up on this list. I thought that that was a little mature for early teens. Anyway, what do I know? All right, best humor publication. Oh yeah, actually, maybe soon Super Mutant Magic Academy gets the gets the nod there, from the Eisners. I don't know. All right, I already made my pick. I need to live with it. Best humor publication. Um, I and my prediction of the Eisners are gonna go once again to Kate Beaton for Step Aside Pops, um, which is a heart Harka Vagrant uh, collection. It's just too funny. Um, some of the other stuff actually I haven't read. Um, I haven't read Sex Castle. I I know of Cyanide and Happiness, but not a huge follower. Um, I don't know of Deep, Deep Dark Fears or Ur, which are also on the list. So this is probably mostly my ignorance speaking. Um, but I think I, I imagine that I share that ignorance with others who will, you know, feel like um, the, the Kate Beaton is a force that must be reckoned with. Okay, best digital webcomic. I, I think that the Eisners are going to go with Fresh Romance, um, edited by Janelle um, Asselin, Asselin. I don't know how to say her name, and I apologize. Uh, I think a really important work, an effort, digital first, and I think with either a Kickstarter or, yeah, I think it was a Kickstarter, um, to bring romance back and to have, you know, diverse representation in a romance comic. Um, I think I read two or three of those. Um, I bought all of them. I just haven't gotten to them. I liked it. Uh, I think that the, its significance is going to get it to the um, Eisner nod. Um, I think I would probably myself vote for either Lighten Up by Ron Wimberly, which is a short piece he published on the Nib about um, being asked to lighten his characters. Um, he, an African-American um, artist uh, with just a wonderful sensibility, I sort of can't wait for his work to come out from Image um, that he's announced. Uh, but Lighten Up is, is, I think, an important... Um, you know, brief contemplation of race and, and you know, uh, what art does. <laughs> um, and then I also want to give a shout-out to The Legend of Wonder Woman by Renee DeLiz, which is a digital comic that um, is just doing the Wonder Woman origin story in a great way. And I think it's utilizing that whole digital release model um, really nicely, really nicely. So I hope that that gets some acknowledgement. Okay, best anthology. Um, I'm thinking that the Eisners will um, will <laughs> applaud the hefty volume of drawn in quarterly 25 years of contemporary cartooning 
comics and graphic novels, edited by Tom Dev- Devlin and published by Fanagraphics. Just kidding. <laughs> published by Drawn and Quarterly. Um, because it's huge, because there's old stuff and new stuff, because there's all kinds of essays, because it feels substantial enough for the substantial contributions of Drawn and Quarterly. Um, but I think my vote is going to go to Peanuts, a tribute to Charles M. Schultz, because um, biased. <laughs> Edited by Shannon Waters and published by Kaboom. It's um, other artists' take on Peanuts, and there's just so much in there that um, hit my notes of nostalgia. I cannot not pick it. Uh, Although, I probably should pick Drown in Quarterly. 25 years of a massive volume um, of many great cartoonists. All right, best reality-based work. I got to go faster, man. I got to get through this. Um... My pick is March Book Two at this in this category, um, and I think that um, I think March Book Two is actually going to get acknowledgement, as I said, for, in the teen category. And I think that, that people are going to go with the story of my tits by Jennifer Hayden. I just said that um, um, from Top Shelf, IDW, um, a uh, an important work uh, with great levity and also great gravity. <laughs> um, <laughs> By that, I mean importance. Um, The best graphic album uh, category. Oh, my gosh. I didn't even notice that I didn't actually make my picks. My own pick is Nanjing, The Burning City by Ethan Young, um, published by Dark Horse, which was a really, uh, I think, a well-done depiction of what happened in the the rape of Nanking or Nanjing, um, as as it's probably properly said. Um, I think that the committee is uh, the committee. I keep saying the committee. The Eisner voters will go with Sam Zabel and the Magic Pen um, by Dylan Horrocks from Fanographics, and I feel like that came out four years ago. I can't believe that was actually last year publication, but uh, there we go. Um, best graphic rep- album reprint. Uh, I am going to say that Nimona gets the nod, and Nimona's great. I like Nimona, but I'm going to vote myself for the lesser-known Soldier's Heart, the campaign to understand my World War II veteran father by Carol Tyler. Um, moving on. <laughs> Uh, best adaptation from another medium. I'm going to say that Two Brothers by Ba and Moon get the nod, both from the voters and from me. Um, I honestly don't know much about the other works on the list. Sorry. Uh, best U.S. edition of international material. Once again, I think um, The Eternaut um, by Hector Herman uh, Osterheld and Francisco Solano Lopez from Fantagraphics is going to... Um, run away with this one i would probably vote that way too although honorable mention to the realist by um As- asaf hanuka from boom Arkea. um best u.s edition of international material asia which has its own category um i'm have a feeling assassination classroom has too much popular momentum to be stopped so I think it's going to go there, but I would go with Showa 1953 to 1989, A History of Japan, because Shigeru Mizuki is my one of my favorite manga, mangaka, um, and, uh, and there we go. Best archival collection of a project of strips. Um, here, uh, <laughs> I am actually a little sad about what was left off of the nomination list. Here is one that... I have to admit that I, I wish the committee had included some of my favorites, but 
um, mostly because of my ignorance of what is on the list. I'm actually not even going to register a vote here uh, either way, uh, except that I see that Beyond Mars by Jack Williamson and Lee Elias, edited by Dean Mullaney, um, is work that I know. So <laughs> I and the Eternaut shows up here too. Of course, I know Funky Winker Bean. And then there's some other stuff that, um, in my ignorance, I don't know. Although Sunday Press is here, and I love Sunday Press. So I'm just going to step away from that category. This is my no-vote category. Um, and finally, Best Archival Collection Project Comic Books. Um, I think they're going to uh, go with P. Craig Russell's Murder Mystery Gallery Edition, which is huge and impossible for me to afford. Um, but uh, P. Craig Russell is P. Craig Russell. He's amazing. Um, I would put, vote for Craig Yo's... Uh, uh, edited Walt Kelly's fairy tales because Walt Kelly that's from IDW okay now we get to the <laughs> end of the list with the um, acknowledgments of the peoples the part maybe you've been waiting for maybe um, best writer um, okay we got Jason Aaron John Allison Ed Brubaker Marjorie Lou and G Willow Wilson in an in illustrious list and um, I kind of think just for sheer volume of stuff that could have gone very wrong and didn't, especially not in that year, you're going to have to go with Jason Aaron. Um, I think Marjorie Liu deserves acknowledgement. I think G. Willow Wilson is awesome. Miss Marvel is probably my favorite book out of all the books on the whole list of books that these writers have written. But for Jason Aaron to have done Southern Bastards, um, Doctor Strange, Star Wars, um, what he did with Thor, um, New Thor, <laughs> uh, and 2015 stretching sort of the the last the end of the last uh, Thor series, and then and then this well current one, but it's not even current anymore. They already rebooted it. Thanks, Marvel. Um, and then Men of Wrath, which was mostly um, overlooked, but I thought was really good. Jason Aaron is too good, uh, too good to deny. Um, so both. I think he will win, and I think I would win him, pick, win him. Uh, best Writer Artist for, uh, I think that Noah Van Skyver is going to win because Fante Bukowski um, was critically adored. I want to give it to Ed Pisker for Hip Hop Family Tree Volume 3. I don't think he's gotten it. I think Hip Hop Family Tree has gotten some some Eisner love, but, uh, but not Pisker himself. Um, maybe... Maybe I'd switch that over to Bill Griffith for Invisible Ink, um, but I think he's Griffith has had substantial acknowledgement, so I'm going to move on from that. Um, best Penciler Inker or Penciler Inker Team. Um, ah, this one was so hard. Uh, Nate Powell <laughs> is amazing. Uh, one of my favorites, and I'm go not going to pick him. Joelle Jones is a revelation. Uh, as I talked about before, I'm not going to pick her. Cliff Chang one of my all-time favorites, probably one of my top three artists. Um, not going to pick him. Mike Allred, um, another one of my favorites. I think Silver Server and Art Ops were intriguing and different. But I had to go with Erica Henderson <laughs> because because Jughead and Unbeatable Squirrel Girl, <laughs> because they made me laugh, because there was so much artistry and humor, because we... Um, because it's so different, um, and I, I love it. All right, Best Painter Multimedia Artist. I'm going to go with um, uh, Federico Berlucci for love. Um, the two, both of them, the tiger and the fox, came out in the year. Um, I think Dustin Nguyen's going to take, take it away for Descender. Uh, I like Nguyen, too. 
which is why I think that he'll be picked. Uh, best cover artist, um, David Aja, is uh, still in the running <laughs> because Hawkeye covers, even when he didn't draw the issues, because Karnak covers, uh, even though I think most of those came out this year. And then uh, Scarlet Witch, which is one cover. No, no, no. No, he's been doing all the covers. Yeah, but I think most of those came out this year, too. So uh, it's a little mysterious. Um, but actually, the others on the list, you know, Rafael Albuquerque, Amanda Connor, Ed Pisker, um, I don't know. Joelle Jones is on there, too, and I think she's actually going to end up my pick because I just think that those um, uh, Lady Killer covers were so eye-catching. I think the Brides of Helheim covers were just sort of crowded, um, but I think she did such eye-catching work with Lady Killer that I'd end up picking her, although I'd be perfectly happy with David Aja. And maybe I'm wrong altogether. Maybe everyone decides Amanda Connor's Harley Quinn covers are the best, and I just um, have a massive blind spot, which I do when it comes to Harley Quinn. Best colorist, um, there's the Jordy Butler Collective. Um, I think she will win. Um, I pick Dave Stewart, um, although maybe the maybe the Eisners, the non-committee will pick Dave Stewart, and then I pick Jordy Butler. Um, both of the lists are just so considerable that both of these humans are amazing, not to mention that John Roush, uh, Elizabeth Brett, Betty Brettweiser, and Laura Allred are also amazing, and they're also on this list. So you're kind of damned either way in the colorist category. Um, best lettering. I honestly don't know. Um, Steve Dutro, uh, I, I know da who Durf back Durf is. I never read trashed. Um, no good reason why. Um, and I don't know Kevin McCloskey. Um, and so I'm left, um, with, um, but myself picking Lucy Nisley, but not because her coloring, I mean, sorry, her lettering especially stood out to me, but because I really liked displacement. Um, and then I, I don't know, Troy Little in uh, Hunter, Hunter S. Thompson's Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Seeing that work, I, I remember the lettering. Maybe that'll get the nod. Who knows? Uh, best comics-related periodical journalism. I think the um, the two Marl's publications will split the vote, sadly. Um, they're all good. Um, comic, comic Riffs blog by Michael Kavna, I think, is my pick, and I think will end up being the pick. It's a weird, actually, it's a weird, this category came out kind of weird, I think, as far as the selections and nominees. And I'm not just bitter because the, the because Multiversity Comics nor the Comics Alternative showed up in the, in this category. There is there going to be a podcasting category at Eisner's? Um, maybe not. All right, best comics-related work. I pick um, King the Comics, 100 Years of King Feature Syndicate. I think Will Eisner, champion of the graphic novel, is going to win. Some Paul Levitt's love. There's some Abrams Comics Arts love there. And then there's, of course, the master. And finally, the um, oh, two more. Best academic scholarly work. Um, I think Graphic Medicine Manifesto is going to win, which is great. I think that is important work. Um, uh, unfortunately, the one that's going to get bumped out here is The Black or the Ink, which... Um, an edited volume I really like from Rutgers about black identity in comics. Um, but I would have to go with Unflattening by Nick Susanis um, because I think it's groundbreaking work. I just heard about a, an academic journal coming out that's going to be about um, academic work that's done in comics form. And so Susanis' well-known story now of doing his dissertation in comics form and getting it through a committee of not necessarily comics people is um, significant for um, academic and scholarly work about comics, you know, for it to be in comics. And finally, for best publication design, because of my sheer ignorance, I end up with The Eternaut, once again, designed by Tony Long. 
for Fantagraphics. Okay, I need a drink. <laughs> that's been my Eisner picks, and that's been 40 minutes. And then I'm going to talk about Essex County. Here's what I'm going to do. I think I'm actually going to release this as a separate extra-sode and then uh, and wrap things up here and then um, start over, do Essex County as its own um, individual pod. Um, if you listened, I would love to... Well, hey, you know what you're going to be able to do? You're going to listen to this on Friday. You're going to find out who the actual winners are. You're going to be able to trash me for completely picking the wrong things, <laughs> but for completely misjudging the voting public as well as um, misjudging, as, as, as well as demonstrating my poor taste in the picks that I got, that I made. Um, but uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see Eisner's um, uh, ceremony, as I said, on Friday, hosted by uh, my friend Rob or <laughs> Malcolm Merlin. Um, and uh, yeah, so I guess this is the extra sode about the Eisners. And uh, we'll talk about Essex County right now, but separate. Okay, thanks. Keep reading, as well as the Eisners.